before the COVID-19 pandemic, Pittsburgh was enjoying an incredible growth in our small business community uh, downtown and, and throughout Pittsburgh. And when the pandemic hit, there was a major question of would this progress stop? And, and even worse, would things start closing? I mean, you started reading stories from across the country and hearing from experts who say this year was going to be incredibly hard for small businesses and we might see a lot of them close up. And obviously that was something we did not want to happen in Pittsburgh. And it, but it continued to be a, a stressful time for everybody, including those small business owners. And so today we're going to talk to a few of them to, to hear from them how they've managed uh, during this challenging year and what lessons they learned as we, as we get through 2020 and into 21, um, particularly with the hope of the vaccine and maybe the pandemic coming to a close, maybe by the summer or, or fall. So um, one of the main questions we had for the people we talked to today is, how did you do it? And that's really the theme of this episode. In reflecting on those, those individuals and, and groups of folks who had such an impact on making 2020 and on, on advancing us as a community, as a nation, uh, small business is something that we felt very strongly we needed to emphasize because of the impact that the pandemic has had on small business, but also it helps to highlight the importance of small business to, uh, to the United States, particularly to places like Pittsburgh and Southeast Kansas. And so we uh, uh, had the opportunity to uh, come together on Around the Block with three different individuals who represent three sectors of uh, the economy and small business. First, Brandy Johnson, who's the founder and uh, president, CEO of Limelight Marketing, one of the anchor tenants in Block 22, at the foundry at Block 22. Uh, she also was, along with John Kiefler from uh, Dev Squared, were two of our first interviews on the podcast uh, talking about uh, just at the beginning of the shift toward a work from home uh, situation because of the pandemic. We also uh, were able to sit down with Davey Froman, who is the uh, owner and proprietor of Miners Monroe, a uh, men's focused wear, uh, men's wear and accessories downtown uh, boutique. Uh, we also had uh, interviewed Davey as part of our uh, retail in a, a time of COVID episode back in the summer. And then finally, to represent the hospitality and restaurant industry, uh, Matt Burton, who has been, uh, has been leading brick and mortar, uh, the restaurant at Block 22 now since uh, the early part of this year, and has uh, therefore had to lead it through pretty challenging times. So each of these industries have been hit in different ways. And so we thought it'd be a nice way for us to emphasize that here uh, on the show. So for our conversation with regard to the impact of 2020 on retail and on uh, what it's what has been learned from leading a and running a boutique in downtown Pittsburgh during 2020, without further ado, let's go around the block with Davey Froman. Thank you for joining us on Around the Block. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I guess welcome back. We interviewed you earlier this year. 
Right, uh, yes. Yes, and so I think what we want to talk about today is, is <laughs> if we possibly can take a moment to pause and look back at 2020 as, we, as we're nearing the end. Um, obviously, the year filled with a lot of challenges and craziness and unprecedented this and that. And just talk about lessons learned uh, as a small business owner from your perspective. Well, there's a lot to learn from a year like this. Um, what feels like the longest year <laughs> in the history. Um, but, you know, I, I've been asked this a lot already. And uh, we just celebrated our two-year anniversary, right, on Small Business Saturday. Um, we had a lot of people ask, you know, glad you're still here, everything like that. And, you know, everyone says the first year is always the hardest, right? Well, this year for us, the second year was by far the hardest. Um, but I feel like it's one of those things, 2020 was, you could, you could go one of two ways with it. You know, you could take it as, man, this was a really crappy year and you could treat it as that. And you could just go along with it and kind of, you know, go with the narrative of, of how bad a year it was. And you'll end up to me, I feel like if you, if you go that route, you'll kind of end up trapping yourself in a really negative mindset, or you could try and go the other way and just say, Hey, yes, it was difficult, but it was a way to learn about yourself. It was a way to learn about your business. It was a way to, to challenge yourself. Um, it was a way to become not only just, a, you know, a better, um, small business owner per se, but just a better person in general too. Um, so I like to think that that's kind of how we approached 2020 as a whole, Kim and I, and I kind of attacked it and stuff. And we did, I think, learn a lot about ourselves and about our business and, and what we can do better and, and how we can treat people and how we can adapt and, and things like that as well. Yeah. And I think you hit on such an important point, but I think it's also one of the challenging points and one of the most challenging things about being human I think is our ability to uh, I guess understand perspective and see a lot of sides of the same topic and you know when you look back if you look back and you think of just say I don't know pick something the civil war right and you think right that was terrible four years of devastation and death but it's so easy also to see the good and see what came from it on right the side you know, of course, being so far removed from it, it's easy to, in the history books, just to talk about the good stuff that we learned from it. And I think we're living through one of those years where there's a lot of really bad stuff happening. But as you said, there's a lot that you can take from it on a positive side. And there's a lot of positive that has happened in the midst of all that. And so how do you oh, square all that? And, and I, think, I think the point I wanted to, to kind of have you follow up on was this part about just learning to be a a better person or a more rounded person or however you want to look at it. Like what personal lessons did you take from, from this year? Man, I, I actually, I was thinking about this because Sean kind of gave us what we wanted to talk about. And I was, I was trying to think of it. And I, there's a story that I can think of. It's like, it, it, it was, it hit me and it's going to sound kind of funny, but I was going through our inventory one day and I was looking around the store and I, you know, we carry some stuff from the Lewisburg cider mill, right? Obviously those types of products have a shelf life and I was going through it and there was like two jars of honey, I think. And I looked and I noticed, and this was back in probably right around when the students were coming back and, you know, the cases were spiking and everyone, you know, things were getting a little on edge again. And 
foot traffic was down and things like that. And I noticed the expiration date passed on these two things that hunting two, two, that's it. And I got really irritated. Man, we, you know, we wasted it. It's, it's wasted money. And then I thought for a second, hold on, this could be a good lesson in humility, right? Like here I am, I'm upset about two things of these jars of honey. And I am, I need to realize that I am not the only one that's going through any of these things. I started thinking about restaurants and food and how all their products expire and how everything goes through that. So, you know, I'm not the only one that's been affected by this. And I think it's a great lesson in humility to see, because I think also like where you're talking about, like with the civil war that affected everybody, right? This thing is affecting everybody. And so it's a great chance to say, Hey, you know, I'm not the only one here. Like I'm not the only one that's going through a hard time. I'm not the only one whose business may be suffering. I need to figure out, kind of get over myself a little bit, get over my own small problems and say, okay, what can I do to, to learn from this? What can I do to help a restaurant out that all their stuff is gone or expired or, you know, and, and so I kept those two jars of honey. I didn't get rid of them. I keep them in the back room and I, and I put them right on the shelf as just a reminder, like things could be worse. We, my family's been very lucky. Um, You know, we have my immediate family. We haven't had anyone get sick. We've been very careful, but knock on wood, you know, my mom is good. Kim's parents have all been good so far. Um, but it's still just because it hasn't hit us directly yet. Everybody's been affected by this. And I think it's a great lesson in humility and trying to understand that there's more than just you in this, you know? Sure. So that, and like I said, so it's, it's a jar of honey. It is what it is, but in the long, you know, in the overarching thing or scheme of things, we've been very lucky. We've been very fortunate. We've been able to stay open. Um, we haven't had anyone in our immediate circle get sick. Um, and so I, I just, I sat right there that second. And I said, it's okay. Like, it's just, it's just a couple things, honey, there's other things. And, and so I keep it and I look at it all the time just to, as a good reminder of, of where, where we stand and things, you know? I love that. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> I was thinking of if you were to write a, a book about this year you could just call it the jars of honey like i, I love that it's, it's <laughs> such, a great, such a great lesson yeah um, let's talk about the business side a bit because I, I think i recall earlier this year at some point we were talking and you had mentioned that you, i don't remember exactly what month it was but you said that month was better than the month last year I yes I don't know there's one specific, one specific month september um you know where we I was actually a little bit nervous about what we were going to go into in September because in 2019, it was such a slow month. And so I was a little bit nervous about how traffic would be, how sales would be everything, you know, naturally. And uh, we took a little bit of a risk. I kind of, with my whole idea of just saying, you know what, let's just, let's just try and be better. Let's try and go for it. So we, and I ended up bringing in a lot of new stuff um, as opposed to pumping the brakes on everything. And we had a killer month. It was, it was a really good month for us. Um, and so we, like I said, we just kind of attacked it a little bit more aggressively than maybe what I thought I should do. And it turned out to work out really well for us that month. And I know a lot of experts and I mean, authors and journalists, and you just hear this everywhere. Like it's very, very important in a time like this to support your local businesses because you know, they might be going through a down year or, you know, you just, 
you just need to do it that way. Things are still here on the other side of this mess. Right. Do you feel like that's happened in the in Pittsburgh? Do you do you get a sense that people are? I mean, obviously, a lot of people are staying in town instead of traveling. But do you feel an increased sense of community support? Oh, uh, I do for sure, a hundred percent. And in talking to other store owners and restaurant owners, I think they feel it too. You know, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but um, I think everybody kind of feels that. I think it's been very humbling, um, you know, so to speak, in my opinion, where we see people coming in. Um, Cause like I said, it goes back to where it's not just us that's being affected. You know, people could be laid off there. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into this right now and to see people still come out um, and to choose to stay here or to choose to shop in Pittsburgh or shop locally. Um, it's really humbling. It's, it's really cool to see. Uh, and I do think that the community has gotten behind a lot of places in a big way and, and really helped prop up and support our community. I mean, I've, I've talked to a few people at the city. I feel, I think from what I understand, I'm not totally in tune with it, but what I've heard is, you know, sales tax revenues and things like that are actually beating uh, where we were in 2019, which is crazy. I mean, to, to think that. So the, the community's played a huge part, I think, in keeping all of our stores open and rest. Like, I mean, I don't know, you guys may know one, I don't know, but I don't think any local store or restaurant has closed during all this so it where it was directly related to the pandemic anyway sure. I, you know i'm not 100 percent sure but i can't think of any off the top of my head so no, I don't think yeah i don't think so either i think that actually in fact that was a course of, you know we had six new restaurants open downtown at the end of the last year and there was this concern of how are they going any are, are all of them going to make it and i don't think any of them have closed um right I think there was, you know, I think there's been a, there's only one restaurant that I can even think of that closed this year and it wasn't a locally owned restaurant. Um, and, uh, in Gusano's, that's the only one that I can think of. And I don't know that that was actually directly related to the pandemic or not. I, you know, uh, and so that's actually been one of the things that I've been most pleasantly surprised by is the fact of not seeing going into this, being so concerned, hyper concerned about, how do we preserve these, these things through, you know, not seeing one close yet has been, been a little heartening. Davey, let's talk about moving forward. Um, what, what are your thoughts and goals and ideas for 2021? What do you have in store? Can we get a little teaser for what you're thinking? Um, I'm hoping 2021 will be a great year. I think there's the positive news with the, with the vaccine. Um, I still think there's probably pent up demand. Uh, where people aren't out and about maybe as much as they normally would be. So I think 2021 overall will be a great year uh, for a lot of different reasons too. I know, you know, there's been some help from, from people at like Jay Byers at the city where they've helped with local grants. Um, and I know a few businesses have gotten some grant money at, from the federal level. So I think that'll help kind of spur some growth uh, into 2021 too. So for us, Personally, uh, we're going to try and, and keep chugging along, keep trying to do a lot of the same things that we've been doing. Um, right now, currently, we're probably sitting on the most inventory that I've ever had. Um, and it's worked out well for us so far through the holiday season. So I think, again, just going back to that really aggressive attacking mindset, I think if we want people to stay local and to shop local, you know, you have to give them the ability to do so you know you can't just expect people to 
come to your store and, and it be picked over or not have what people need or want. Um, so we'll continue to be aggressive and trying to grow our inventory to, to make sure that when you come in, the, you know, you can find your sizes, you can find what you, your style or whatever it is that you need. Um, so that's probably our number one, number one goal. Um, a secondary goal that, I, that we're, I would like to try to pursue in 2021 is possibly looking into starting to make some of our own products. Um, we trademarked a, a name before we opened this. And uh, so we'll probably start with some of the apothecary stuff, some of the beard oils, the beard bombs, things like that, and see if we can maybe kind of you know, private label, so to speak. But if we could start there and then maybe try to grow into the apparel side of things too. I don't know if we'll get there in 2021 on the apparel, um, but for sure, at least on the apothecary side of things, I think that's that's another goal for us in 2021. So Davey, just to, to take us out of this, is there is there any last comment as you think about heading in 2021 uh, that you want to share? I, I think 2021 is going to be all about opportunity. Um, 2020 was a year of craziness, um, but really I feel like perseverance is a good word to use too for 2020. I feel like as a community, as a business, as a, a lot of businesses and restaurants, I think everybody persevered. Um, and I think 2021 now is just about opportunity and taking advantage of, of what you learned in 2020 and how you grew and how you got better and then what you can do to, to expand, expand on that and and continue to, to move forward, I think. So oh, that's pretty great. Well, I think, you know, uh, here around the block, we're rooting for you and, uh, and, uh, we'll be shopping with you, whether that's for comfortable clothes, like the sweatshirt I'm wearing today, if I'm working <laughs> from home or eventually maybe some clothes that you might wear out around other people, uh, there once you're vaccinated. So that sounds good. Yes. All right. Well, thanks, Davey. We, uh, appreciate and value what you do and thanks for helping make this such a great community. Yeah, thank you guys for the support and thanks for having me on. And now we're going to switch gears a little bit and go down Broadway to Block 22 and talk to Brandy Johnson, who is the founder of Limelight Marketing. And, and as you'll hear in her conversation, um, she has really not only found creative ways to manage this year, but she is, has found ways to, to grow her business and really... Um, thrive even in this challenging environment and so it's really interesting talking to her and and again hearing how she did it so uh, let's go around the block with Brandy Johnson. Okay well we're really pleased to have uh, Brandy Johnson back on around the block today she's the founder and CEO and president of Limelight Marketing and mm -hmm. so welcome back around the block. Thank you. Thanks for having me. First sort of broad question is what did 2020 mean for you personally and from your business standpoint? And I think particularly as we try to tell the story of small business through, again, one of the strangest years that any of us have ever experienced in the pandemic and, and everything else. So uh, what did 2020 mean for you and your business? Yeah, well, Gosh, it was definitely an interesting year. I think uh, as probably most people and most businesses can say, it came with a lot of um, surprises, uh, sometimes of fear, um, but in our case, also um, a lot of excitement and a lot of things that have went really well. I think 
Um, on a personal note, it has taught me um, what things in life are, are really important. Um, I think we've had things taken away from us this year, um, experiences and the opportunity to get together in person and um, a variety of other things. And I think it just has made me really focus in on the things that are that are most important, most, much of which is relationships. And I think we all face the challenge of how do we stay connected with people and maintain those relationships um, without always being able to do so in person. Um, from a business perspective, I think there's some commonality there. I think that the biggest lesson that we learned is um, the need just to always be providing value, especially in our service line. Um, many of our clients this year, you know, were in situations where they were facing, um, you know, decline in sales in some cases, um, or even if they weren't, they were definitely afraid that that might happen. We also, on the other side, had clients who were experiencing the opposite. They were in an industry or offered a product that was actually um, doing really well during COVID, and that just put different types of pressures on them. And I think at the core, what we learned is um, the value that we bring to clients like is, is so important. And so pre-COVID, um, you know, were we, was our service really bringing a value to a client that they saw as, as critical, mission critical to be successful? And then throughout the pandemic, um, could we offer a unique and compelling value to help them, you know, tread water or overcome the obstacles that they were facing. So I think that's one thing that our team has looked at is just making sure that in our engagements, how are we making sure we're bringing our best value at all times? You know, and I want to talk about that in terms of the way you worked, because, you know, we, I think the, the episode that we did with you early on was about working from home, working remotely, and how you have a team that's kind of uniquely set up to be able to do that. But how did it go throughout this year? And, and did you sense any sort of change in how your team prefers to work? And just how did it all play out? And what lessons did you take from that? Yeah. So, yeah, there are a lot of changes um, this year, some that were driven through COVID and others that were that were not. But when we started this year, I think we started with six employees at the beginning of this year. And we're going to close the year off with 14 employees. So we've grown and then we've made an acquisition that brings us up to 22 employees. So um, with that has come a lot of change, not just driven through COVID. But um, when I think back to like the March timeframe, that was the first time that our team went, you know, full, fully home office. And we, we did have experience working in a virtual environment. We had a couple of team members who worked remote. Um, most of them were actually at that time, all of them were close enough to Pittsburgh that they could at least drive in once a week. And that was kind of our standard protocol. For the couple of home office employees we had, they would come into Pittsburgh once a week and work from the office. And so all of us on our team had at least some face-to-face -face time. And then in March, when we went home office for a few months, you know, we all quickly had to get on uh, up to speed at uh, working remote and making our team does a lot of work that's collaborative and it was not uncommon and still isn't today for us to have 5, 10, 15 quick Zoom calls with one another throughout the day just to keep that, coll that collaboration going. But then as the year unfolded, when we hit about the June, July timeframe, we, we ha started hiring. We've hired a lot of new people in the second half of the year and um, many of those are in remote positions. And I think 
If anything, it opened my eyes. We had been successful working home office in that March, April, May timeframe. And so it made me a little bit more comfortable opening our geographic borders for hiring. Um, so, you know, even local people were working remote. So we, you know, expanded our borders and have hired a couple of people in the Springfield and Kansas City area and even two in the Dallas area. So we've branched our team off into a position where not everybody can even drive in on a regular basis. So um, we've definitely become more adept at working remote. And then one of the questions you asked is what did it tell me about people's preferences? And I think one of the things I've seen is um, some of our team does prefer to work from home office, or at least they like the flexibility of having the option. And so even since we've come back into the office, we have some team members who like to come in every day. They prefer, they feel like that's where they're most productive and they get their energy from working with other people. That's kind of, I tend to be that way. So I come into the office on a daily basis. Um, but we also have some people even locally who um, have preferred to stay at home. And, and some of that is because they don't feel comfortable yet due to the pandemic. And I think others um, are feeling comfortable getting out and about, but they just appreciated the flexibility of working from home. And so they would do that, you know, at least a few days a week. I think it's interesting you mentioned this. <clears throat> I mean, kind of implicitly, or you passed over it slightly and kind of, so let's maybe pause on it for a second is this notion of the different working styles, the ways that people are, 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 are more or less productive depending on, on their personalities and such. I mean, do you have a sense that even when we're past, like, so we've all got a vaccine, we're feeling confident about this. Do you, do you still anticipate that what you've learned from this may impact the way in which we operate or you operate for mm -hmm. going forward and how you, how your team uh, operates, whether that's in the office or not, even beyond the pandemic. Yeah, I, I do. I think that that's one of the things that I don't know that we'll ever get back to the old normal, um, not just within our team. I'm just talking in the landscape of the working environment. I think that, I mean, I've, I talked to a lot of businesses, a lot of other agencies who are not planning to renew their um, office space. They are going to just transition to a fully home office type of environment. And then I think we've seen in the media as well, some companies like Google who are, you know, looking and ready to bring people back into the office. But I think we'll for sure see a conti continue to see more of a hybrid than we've seen in the past, where at least employees have some higher level of flexibility to work from home some and to come into an office some perhaps. For my team specifically, I think some of the decisions that I've made in the last six months have put us in a position where, where we will do more remote work. You know, some of our team members are working full-time remote and, but it is always my desire to have a physical office in, here in Pittsburgh and to have a place where people can come in and collaborate because I do think there's still a lot of value in doing that. But yeah, I think for me, my team has asked, and I anticipate even after the pandemic passes that we will have a higher level of flexibility or maybe not even flexibility because we actually had flexibility prior. Employees could choose to work from home on occasion, but I think it'll become more of our culture standard that it's okay and acceptable. Even if you're here local that you could work from home a couple of days a week or part-time you know, part in the office, part-time out of the office, if that's what you prefer. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just go on record in my own selfish uh, interest here that uh, I hope you always want a, a physical office space, and hopefully it's in Block 22. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah we, like, we like being here. Um, uh, I'll add one more thing to that. Um, just looking at the big picture landscape of this, 
as I have been hiring over the last six months, I have done a lot of interviews and I'm interviewing a lot of people who are looking, maybe looking for a job because of this, or they say this in the interview, they want the ability or the flexibility to work from home. And I think a lot of that is because they were people who worked in an office. They were happy enough there. Now they've worked from home and they don't want to go back to an office eight to five, five days a week. They really appreciate the flexibility. So I was a bit surprised at the number of interviews I had when I asked, you know, why are you interested in this position? Many people said that they were looking for the work from home flexibility. Let me ask you this just straight up. In based on what we've just talked about and what you just said, is the concept of the office now an arbitrary thing? Is the is the office as we would commonly refer to it necessary? I think it depends on what business you're in. And I think there are businesses, obviously, we could probably all agree there are certain types of businesses you have to be together. And then there's ones that are more conducive to being remote. I think for us, it's not necessary. It's not an absolute. We could do our work fully remote. And I think we could be very effective at it. But I do still think that there's added value in coming together in person. I think it improves communication. It allows you to build relationships in a way that aren't always as easily done in a remote setting. So I still personally value having that physical office and having people have a opportunity to come together and collaborate, even if it's maybe not necessary or required. You know, this is, oh, go ahead, Brett. No, I I was just say something that I have discovered. This is maybe just personal uh, discovery would be, I think there, there's an interesting thing here because on one hand you could say, like my position in, in on the at the university, you could you could do it from anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. I need a computer and a phone, a smartphone, and all that, and you could kind of do it from anywhere, anywhere that whether that's anywhere on campus or off campus. But there is something I think that naturally pulls you to want to be with your team and wants to be with the people you're working with. And what I've discovered is in a strange way, if you get to a place where actually being on campus or, or being in your office isn't a requirement, mm-hmm. it actually in a strange way lends more appeal to the office because yeah. now the office is no longer a place you have to be at eight o'clock in the morning. You can be there. And in a way, I think that for me, I've noticed that my natural inclination is to wanna to be very private. And there are days I don't want to be around anybody. I just want to be around my computer. But then there are days when I think, man, I do want to be around my team. I want to see my teammates. I want to see yeah. people I work with. And But I think sometimes the conversation about the office comes up because it feels like such a requirement. Mm-hmm. It feels like such a, you have to rush around in the morning and get dressed and get showered and all this and get to the office by eight because that's when you open. And I think that's, at least for me, that's what I don't like. Yeah. If it was, but the idea of going to the office, like, yeah, I want to go be with my team, but I don't necessarily, I think part of the appeal of working from home or working remotely is that you don't feel that com- that time and place commitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which seems somewhat outdated sometimes. I agree. I, I do think it is becoming more outdated. And um, I mean, even pre-COVID, our culture here was a little bit more relaxed. It's not a hard eight start date, you know, kind of come in. We, 
people always tend to be here around nine o'clock, but it's not unheard of to, you know, I'm going to take my morning calls from home and then I'm going to come in or I'm going to work from home half day today because I've got something I really want to focus on. And then I'm going to come in. And I think that, I think we're seeing that all of us are appreciating and then therefore expecting a little bit more flexibility in our work, work, personal life. I know yesterday I was having a conversation with an employee and they were saying that, um, you know, with their kids schedule and stuff that they used to be part-time now they're full-time, but they work a bit of non-traditional hours and it works perfectly for us. It's not a problem. This person, you know, is typically working in the core business hours, but they're done by about three o'clock and they go take care of their kids and do their things. And then they typically are working later in the evening when others have chose that time to spend with their families. And, you know, I like the ability to offer, you know, that flex and same with, um, you know, one of our team members, she likes to go work out over for lunch break. And it's not that that's impossible to do if you work in an office, but it becomes a little bit harder. You know, you, do you want to come back to the office and not have showered after you worked out? And I think it's, I don't know. I like the the ability to say, you know what, if you like to work out over your lunch break and you want to work from home and you know, a few days a week or whatever that looks like, as long as you're being productive and taking care of our clients and doing a really great job at your work, the expectations of you don't come down and the quality of your work doesn't, you know, the bar can't drop. But what I've seen is many people, I won't say everybody, because I don't think everybody can be successful at it, but many people can be successful at it. Well, and it's, yeah, it, it is interesting because I, I've, 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 for the longest time, there was no way I ever would have thought I wanted to work from home. And I think that, so for me, it, it was this, I would say one of the things that helped me this year was this sort of thing of breaking me away from something that I never would have broken away from on my own, right? Which was a sense of like, here's what you're supposed to do and this sort of thing. And I think now, like you come to value your time more. I think, Brandy, you mentioned it earlier as far as like you value the relationships that you maybe want to have or that you feel like you should be focusing on versus the ones that you thought you should or, or, or had to and that kind of thing. Um, I, I certainly miss like the, the just casual running into folks and saying like, oh, hey, you know, cause, I mean, part of the foundry at Blockchain 2 was based on that idea of like, uh, productive collisions, you know, so like you happen to be in the same space. And obviously there's something that you and Dev Squared have experienced being in the same space. So I missed that piece. And, and, and actually I'll say like, it's funny. I, the, the other night I went to pick up to take out from brick and mortar and you and some of your team members were up there and, and then some other folks that I knew. And, and I realized in that, like how much I'm missing those, like just, more casual, not planned sort of, Hey, you want to grab a drink and catch up or that kind of thing. So I do, I do miss those, but I also will say that it's interesting because it's the, the notion of these are the times in which you need to be in a particular space does seem like outmoded and, and not necessarily consistent with those seem like, you know, industrial sort of revolution kind of things. And now it's like our jobs are much more service oriented and it's like, okay, well, maybe we don't need to do that. And, and it's not as if I wasn't working at night anyway, right? So maybe having some space during the day to be able to go pick my kids up helps me to be more connected to my kids. And, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think that the notion of flexibility as we go forward is, is, so, is going to be so important. And not necessarily saying, oh, well, what we had before was right. And what we now have realized and could be different would be wrong. It's to say like, okay, what did we learn from it? And how do we apply that in this next chapter? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. 
Uh, I'm thinking of business owners across the country, businesses of all sizes, big and small. And a lot of them, of course, suffered a lot this year during the pandemic. And you talked about how you grew and you've, you've grown your team. You've, you mentioned an acquisition. How did you do it? What would you say were the main keys to making sure that not only did you not decline and suffer, but you actually grew your business? How did you do it? I've thought about it a lot. And um, I think there were some, some things that maybe decisions we made and things we were doing that helped us weather that storm well. And then maybe there was also a little bit of luck involved. But, you know, going into COVID, we had probably the strongest pipeline that we've had ever. And I think that that is a result of the work that we've done leading up to it. So that give credit to the team. A lot, most of our growth, actually, when, when we looked at this year, just here recently, you know, 98% of our growth has come through referrals. So that's, uh, or existing client growth. So that's, you know, clients referring us to others or people who have known us and worked with us referring us to others. And so, um, you know, that had built us up a healthy pipeline going into COVID. Then when COVID hit, every proposal that we had on the table for new work went on hold, like 100% of them. And so there was about a month and a half that was pretty scary because, you know, our, we hadn't lost a client, but we had clients who were in industries that they were struggling and they were seeing, you know, quick declines in revenue and the pipeline had froze. But then after about a month and a half, things started to open up again. We started getting traction. Some of those proposals closed. Um, and then some of our clients were in a position of either they were doing really well during COVID and they were leaning on us to help um, leverage that growth. Uh, and we had other clients who were seeing a decline and, and they leaned on us to help offset that. I think a couple of things that I learned um, or that benefited us in this case is we're not niched in any one specific industry. And sometimes as a professional services firm, you'll hear you need to niche, you need to niche, you know, like be an agency for healthcare, for education, or for one, you know, industry. And some of the agencies or other businesses that were super niche, like if you were super niched in hospitality, those agencies, some of them have went out of business or significantly decreased. So I think it helps that A, we had a strong pipeline going in. And I guess that's just a lesson learned. Like we never know what's ahead of us. So we always have to be like keeping our pipeline strong and our client base strong. Um, secondly, was uh, kind of lost my train of thought there, but um, secondly with, I mean, uh, oh, not being niche. So yeah, have a strong pipeline, not being niche helped us in this specific situation. And and then I think just always one of the things we've tried to focus on and get better and better at is being more data-driven with our marketing services. Because if we can show a report that says you invested X with us, here's what that got you. Here's the revenue. And it's going up like this. That makes it really hard for people to say, you know what, we think we'll just cut that marketing budget. But if we're doing the type of marketing that you can't show any results to, and there is types of marketing that's really hard to show results to then that becomes the first line item that people you know, cross off. They say it is an expense. I think that what helped us is in many of our client situations, we are doing data-driven work where there's a direct correlation between what they're investing and the revenue or the leads or you know, that they're seeing. 
And so that protected us, I think, to a great extent. Well, uh, we're so glad you spent some more time with us and, and we feel really fortunate to have you as part of the Block 22 family. Uh, we're so proud of your success and, and uh, you know, in addition to be part of Block 22, but you're a gorilla, you're very committed to this community, the work that you've done on Imagine Pittsburgh 2030 and, and the work that you have proposed to continue to do on that has been really impactful. And, and uh, I think you're a great model for what, what a lot of folks could look up to and say, hey, you know what, I could set out on my own and, and be an entrepreneur and, and make it work. And so uh, we really appreciate all you do. Thank you. That's so kind of you to say. We love being here in Block 22 and definitely feel, I definitely, as an entrepreneur here in Pittsburgh, feel very, very loved and supported by, by our community. One of the industries that has undeniably uh, been hit the hardest during the pandemic period have been uh, the hospitality industry, particularly uh, as we think about hotels and then even more so uh, with regard to restaurants and the impact that it has had, particularly in a place where, unlike um, California, where you might be able to still be outside eating in December, it's a little bit more challenging in Kansas. And so the impact of restaurant restaurants has been significant, particularly uh, as they've, they've endeavored to do what's best for the citizens um, here in Pittsburgh. Uh, several examples of that where they closed longer than they had to and just uh, did curbside in order to help keep folks safe and not perpetuate the spread of the virus, but also to still manage to try to keep their doors open. And so uh, today we had the opportunity to sit down with Matt Burton. Matt, of course, has been integral in the development of Block 22 and that downtown renaissance, and he's been a, a strong partner of ours, a good friend of ours. In the past year, Matt has focused some of his time on launching and relaunching brick and mortar at the corner of fourth and Broadway uh, as part of the block 22 development and really going through a complete turnaround of that restaurant uh, and then happened to hit the the big iceberg of covid and so it was uh, challenging in, in multiple levels for him to be relaunching and turning around a restaurant but then also to be doing that during a very challenging time for for the hospitality industry and restaurants in particular. So uh, great to hear about his lessons learned, what he's taking into 2021. And so let's go around the block with our good friend, Matt Burton. Matt Burton, welcome to Around the Block. Thanks, glad to be here. Yes, most days you are literally around the block across the street from where our offices would be at Brick and Mortar, um, which is, obviously one of the best restaurants anywhere this side of the Mississippi. Thank you. Yeah. Let's and not only that, but also help to create the block. That's true. Yes. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. We could actually spend the whole time talking about your role in helping get block 22 into a, a dream and a reality. Uh, but for the sake of this conversation, let's talk about this year as, um, as it pertains to, brick and mortar. I know you, you've had a, a role in that and just kind of talk about what it's been like to be on that side of the small business during this crazy year. Uh, well, challenging for sure. Um, um, I think it's, um, you know, it's hard enough to help um, get a new business started and, and then, then throw on top of that, you know, really a 
what seems like a once in a generation sort of, uh, you know, crisis. And it's, it's definitely challenging. Um, and I think, um, and not just challenging, but scary. Um, um, it's probably the predominant emotion. And so I think, you know, for me, um, what my thoughts are focused on, um, and I think what I've learned from it the most is um, trying not to get too frustrated. I mean, I think there are certainly days that um, you feel like, um, gosh, this doesn't seem, it doesn't seem fair, right? And you're, you're, you're trying to um, run and develop a business and you turn on the news and you're hearing all these thought leaders saying, but don't go to these types of businesses. And so, but there you are sort of faced with the responsibility of somehow trying to keep this business afloat and, and, and these people who count on this job employed and getting a paycheck. And so, um, you know, you're, you know, you're sort of at the center of the storm um, and you know, your business is suffering as a result of, of what's happening. And, and you sort of look around and say, well, that doesn't sort of seem to be the case for, you know, all industries or all businesses or, or all activities. And so, uh, you know, I think the first thing is, is that's true and it's real and, and, and it's frustrating. And I don't know what the larger answers are to that, but I think, you know, from a personal standpoint and then uh, uh, a growth standpoint and the kind of behavior that you think about wanting to model is you got to recognize that emotion, but, but the growth opportunity is, yeah, but you can't control it all. And so do you want to be the sort of person that's screaming into the wind and um, banging your fist on the table? Or is this a chance to sort of learn and show some grace? And so for me, that is a lot of what I think about is that, you know, I can't control everything that happens, um, you know, today or, and I don't know exactly how this will all play out. And I know at times it's really frustrating and challenging, but um, what I try and focus on is, um, is regardless of the outcome and how much I want it to go a certain way that I think what's going to be more, more important to me in the end um, and the people that I work with is, is how I handled it and ask them to handle it. Um, and then I think the second thing is, man, it is just easy to chase your tail, right? So one day it seems like everything's coming back to normal and the sun is out and people are out and great, let's go for it the next day. Oh, wow, cases are spiking and this is happening and maybe we should, you know, do X or maybe it's Y. And so um, I, I think for a small business that doesn't have a lot of resources, um, you sort of have to pick a path. And I think, you know, what, what we've tried to do is, um, is focus on the idea that we're going to get through it somehow. And so let's stay focused on the longer term vision of what we're trying to build um, and not be so busy, you know, reacting to every little change that we, that we miss investing that time for, for a better future. What kinds of things did you feel like that were positives and negatives and all of those sorts of challenges and, and maybe getting this people a, a better sense of what it's really like to live in that whirlwind that is small business? Um, I, I think the positives are, are, um, are a couple fold. I think it, it, it is a, a new business. And so it's still 
you know, very much in the development stage. And, um, and, and as I mentioned earlier, we've, we, you know, we've really chosen to sort of focus on the future versus, you know, um, trying to be too reactive. And so I, I think the first real positive is just is seeing the progress that we've made and, and uh, sort of pride, I think, in, that the people who work there, you know, um, increasingly feel um, because of that work. I, I think the second real positive was, um, you know, despite all the challenges and they're, and they're, and they're real, um, there's a, also a tremendous sense of gratefulness that, um, that we have. I mean, for people like you guys and just, you know, it's one of those days that you think, gosh, it's gonna be another really tough day. And, you know, someone walks in the door and you know that they're there primarily to be supportive. And um, so as much as we feel like there's a lot of challenges, um, we've been really encouraged by the amount of people that are really not just out doing the normal activities of shopping and consuming, but making very intentional choices about how to spend their time and how to spend their money. And, and if it's, if, if, and if they're a person that's comfortable being out, that they're doing that, if they're not, they're ordering takeout, if they're not, they're calling and getting some gift certificates. Um, and so seeing people make those real intentional choices to be supportive and help contribute to your success is, um, is probably the biggest positive and the most, you know, overwhelming. Gosh, in terms of challenges, I just, I mean, I think it's, again, we're sort of in the eye of the storm in this sort of industry. I mean, you're, you're trying to run a business that just, you know, has been shut down or people are being encouraged not to frequent as much. And that impacts, you know, that impacts sales. And um, so how do you just, how do you keep the bills paid and the lights turned on and people getting paid? Let's, let's linger here for a moment. I, I, I loved you talking about this notion of the intentionality that you've seen in folks, um, even during times wherein it seems like the federal government be honest, is not could not get to a place of being able to recognize the, the help that they needed to do. You had individuals who were being more intentional, maybe, about that, whether they're comfortable coming in to eat or they're getting takeout, or as you said, like ordering gift certificates for folks that may not be spent for several months, but at least that's an injection of, um, of capital and support. So I want to I want to linger on that for a moment. You know, we, we're in a, a community that has been fortunate that we actually our sales tax revenues are three percent above where they were this time last year. Uh, it does feel like maybe there's been a sense of coming together and maybe more intentionality of that. Maybe talk a little bit about on the hopeful side, uh, a little bit more specifics. You know, some of those individuals or your observations about how this community has reacted to this vis-a-vis. Uh, -vis your the lens of the a restaurant at the corner of fourth and broadway well i think i'd say a couple of things number one there, there's um it's definitely happening again you know you can see the difference between just during normal times people out doing all the sorts of normal commercial activity that they do right um and and then and then people being very intentional about wanting to support your business and um, and and the regular people and and groups that are doing that um, that are looking for 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 ways to be supportive. I think what I what I'd hope maybe is that more people in the community 
and I don't say this from a from a place of of negativity, but but more sort of hopefulness and optimism that I think even more people could realize um, the impact that they could have on on creating the kind of community that they want to live in long term. And I know it's hard because it's kind of like environmental stuff, right? You're just one person. You only spend this much. You know, what does it matter if you spend it here or there? But it's, you know, one person does it, then two. And so I think I think there's a hopefulness of, of even more people would see that that um, where they spend their time and their dollars and um, and and what businesses they choose to support has a real impact on the kind of community um, that they're going to have long term. Why is why is it important to a community like ours that we have these things, right? Why was it important to have new restaurants right downtown? And I suppose that and to relate it to this year, why is it important that they remain and survive through this pandemic? Yeah, so I guess I'd answer it probably um, um, in two ways. One in a more sort of macro level, community-wide sort of um, view, and then, and then one more, um, you know, drilling down to the specifics of this individual place. And so I think for us, our vision very much is to sort of be the cornerstone of a downtown revitalization, right? We're right at the corner of where the town was founded um, and specifically the downtown sort of developed and grew. And so we feel like, you know, we want to be the hub of that revitalization, um, gaining even, even more momentum and the success of that, of that business um, um, will either contribute or take away from that progress. And so our hope is by being able to create a, a compelling, viable business in that location, it's going to, you know, it's going to bring people to the downtown and, and uh, contribute to that, that ongoing revitalization. I think then, you know, more specifically, um, you know, in terms of our own views versus the sort of broader view of the, of the downtown is um, we're just committed to doing really good stuff. And, um, and we feel like there's a difference between sort of quote unquote fancy and really good, right? And I think sometimes, especially in more humble, um, uh, smaller rural communities um, that, um, you know, don't want to think too highly of themselves, right? I mean, their values are sort of more humbleness and humility and, um, I, I think it's easy for them to miss that they can still embody those values, but also want good things. And, and so I think a big part of what we're wanting to do is deliver in a very approachable, uh, excuse me, a very approachable um, way, just really good food in a really good environment. And I, and I feel like sometimes people in smaller communities get taken advantage of in that way. Right. And so, you know, we do everything by hand. It's not, um, you know, it's not over the top, sophisticated French cuisine. Right. It's it's comfort food, classics. It's cheeseburgers and chicken and waffles and steaks. Um, but just because it's a burger, just because it's a, a pizza doesn't mean it shouldn't be done really, really well. Right. And um and so I think there's something important uh, to the community's future 
in the sort of standards that they set for themselves and the expectation they have of the people who aspire to serve them in some in some commercial way. You know, the big um, the big lesson uh, for someone like me in, in the middle of this is is that focus on on grace because no, no matter how much you want it to turn out a certain way or or how hard you're willing to work, you have to sort of also accept that it's not completely in your hands how it will turn out. And so you 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 try and be very sincere in your efforts. You try and not use this as an excuse to compromise on on the vision that you have and take you know the easy way out with whatever it may be, um, you know, laying off people or compromising on the, on the ingredients or the products. And so you, you try and stay true to that, even though it's really hard. And then you just, you hope, you know, and, and you hope that people will be supportive and you hope that um, the leaders uh, th that we have in, in sort of government, whether it be local state or national, you know, we'll, we'll find a way to come together and, and provide some of that really needed support. And, and I think that's all you can do. But it's not just, I think the other thing I would say is it's not just Pittsburgh. I think it's a lot of communities and it's even big communities. And some issues are really unique to smaller big cities. And I think this one, well, it has some of that dynamic. It's more about being unique to certain industries, right? And I mean, there's plenty of stories of, restaurants and cafes and bars that have been around for a hundred years in big cities that have had to say, you know what, we're just, we're done. We just can't do it anymore. And, and it impacts the fabric of those cities just as much as, you know, it does these smaller communities. So, you know, I think, I think one of the places <clears throat> I know Matt, you and I, and, and Brett as well, and the work that we've all done over the last five to 10 years, there's a sort of I think our, our common belief in, in the importance of the of quality of place, you know, I think there's a, a time wherein the old way of thinking was quality of life, which is kind of an old term now, because now we think in the terms of quality of place, because, and I think that probably this year, maybe more than ever, it started to even redefine how important placeness is because of the fact that you can maybe choose the place in which you want to be and still maybe have the same job because you don't have to necessarily, if you're fortunate enough, like, like, uh, like I know Brett and I have been to be able to work from home, well, that, where that home is, can you make the decision? And so when people are making those decisions, uh, having great downtown life, having great bars and restaurants and those kinds of things all of a sudden are not just soft. They're, they're the things that might attract or keep people in a place. And that quality of place is enhanced because of that. And so I think that's one reason why um, I've, I've been very big on the notion of those things being, uh, you know, equally important with the sort of harder nuts and bolts things of manufacturing jobs, which are also very important. I don't want to diminish those uh, or, or just job creation in general is these sort of things that are quality of place and, and the kind of places that you can have the opportunity to go and hang out at that you don't have to go somewhere else to do that is important. And I think that one of the things you could say is that one of the reasons why we were able to, you know, keep businesses in, in, in having growth in sales tax, et cetera, is that you have a lot of people that were making the decision to not go somewhere else because they couldn't, they didn't feel safe to do so, but that they had those options here locally that they didn't, wouldn't have had 10 years ago. 
And so they could spend their money here. They could actually invest. And so what I would really say is like, I just really would encourage people to keep thinking in that term of being intentional, go buy a bunch of gift certificates at the restaurants in this community uh, that you can give as gifts this Christmas, go, you know, chamber, the chamber gift cards, the, those sorts of things, the, the downtown boutiques, because even if they're not being spent at this moment, it's something that can help the, the small businesses that are really the, the backbone of that quality of place to survive. And so um, I know that it's, it's, it's been an incredible storm for you guys at the weather. And, and, but I also want people to know how important and how much we are grateful to be able to have the options that we didn't have before. And it's because of folks like you. Well, thank you. I, I, I do think, I mean, you know, I spoke about it, um, you know, with Brett earlier in terms of our vision. It's not just to be a great res- restaurant. Our vision very much, um, you know, is, is to, to be a cornerstone of, of, you know, the continued revitalization of downtown Pittsburgh. And so in that way, we feel like, you know, our responsibility is much bigger. And, and the way we want to deliver on that vision is by creating you know, this hub where people can come together around really great food and really great drinks, which, you know, are about as human of an activity um, as you can have, right? Breaking bread together. I mean, it's sort of the sort of essential human source of connectivity. And, um, and so we, you know, we feel like our, um, you know, our role and our contribution is, is bigger than just the food. And, it starts with the food and it's got to be really great and the environment's got to be really great. But the purpose of that, right, is to really contribute to that sense of place, which is uh, essential. Matt Burton, the gift that keeps on giving to Pittsburgh. <laughs> I'll tell you that. You, uh, you nailed it on that. And I think that uh, it goes back to the notion of peace and how we get there. It, and it may be that it's that moment where we can get back to this sense of getting around a table together. Uh, and it's a very primal instinct in us to get around a table, break some bread, share some wine, some cocktails, and, uh, and connect with other humans and, and build community one table at a time. So, uh, Matt, we appreciate your time today. We appreciate all you've done for Pittsburgh. Uh, it just so happens the latest iteration being with a, a restaurant at the corner of 4th of Broadway. So, uh, thank you so much, Matt. You bet, guys. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah.